but we're not really addressing their base primal needs, safety, security, food, shelter. Because right now, a lot of our kids are not in a good place. The majority of our families are not in a good place. And I'm speaking, I mean, and I'm speaking in particular to the, to the group of people that, I, that I'm familiar with, the communities that I'm familiar with. You know, the low-income low communities. And this is regardless of race. You know, if, if money was, if you're barely making ends meet now, those those ends are so far apart and um, that's something that we need to really engage and address the education of children in America is distinctively unequal and separated by either race or economic class and more commonly by both for some education empowers and imbues pride and for others, it alienates and mandates the need to be multiple times better than their more fortunate counterparts to reach any fraction of success. I aim to empower all stakeholders in the educating of our children to take back control of what and how our children learn. Children must gain a strong knowing of self and self-worth. This means searching out and applying all the best practices as well as accessing the best resources for our children. So join me as I explore and discover how we will revolutionize teaching and learning in America. Today on the Sneaker Principal Podcast, our guest is... And now, he's been promoted. His job, Principal. Good morning, guys. This is Uche Joku, Sneaker Principal. And um, it is 5.22 in the morning, sitting here drinking my coffee, trying to get myself ready for a, for a quick morning run, and then a very busy morning. Before I get into all that and um, start my day, I wanted to, I wanted to make a quick video um, and recording, and... Um, the thing I want to talk about this morning is um, this uh, ongoing unspoken conversation. What I mean by unspoken, it's something that's only happening within certain realms. Um, and, and particularly we're talking about educator, educators in education. Um, as you know, I'm a principal. I'm not, I am I keep saying that right. And I mean, my, the name of, the, of my podcast and channel is The Sneaker Principal. Um, but I say that because um, um, you'd be surprised how many people are still confused by that. Um, but not only, not only that, um, I have family, mem- family members who are educators. I have a brother and I have a sister. And then, um, of course, a big chunk of my friends and um, are educators as well. And the one thing that um, that is kind of like the... Uh, the big point of conversation right now, especially with it being summer, is summer school. And um, the fact that um, a lot of uh, districts, a lot of school systems are struggling with uh, maintaining uh, a high level of participation from students in summer school. And um, summer school is something that's, that's 
I mean, whether you agree with it or not, it is um, essential for students who are on track, who want to be on track to graduate, you know, so um, especially high school kids and uh, middle schoolers. Um, and um, working in a high school is definitely paramount because you have students who need to earn a certain number of credits every term every year towards graduating just like just like being in college and um you have to have a passing mark you have to take certain standardized tests and score at a certain level to um prove that you um have some level of mastery or um competence in these subject subject areas and um so if you are failing if you failed a class or you're in need of some level of remediation some school is there um as the um the bridge this little little this little small bridges that keeps you moving in the right direction keeps you crossing towards the right direction and um this summer though has been very interesting um i've had 15 summers in education so far and it's been pretty simple. Summer school starts right after the 4th of July weekend. The kids, for the most part, know that they have summer school because right before, right before they go off for summer vacation, at the close of the spring semester, they receive report cards and they know whether they passed or failed a class. And um, if they need certain remediation or enrichment, all that is given to them before they leave. And, um, and summer ends up being, um, I mean, it, it's intended to be rigorous, but it's also a little bit lax as far as the level of pressure because you're not taking six or seven classes. You're taking maybe two or three classes at most. And, um, and you're, not, you're not in school for a full day. You're in school for, I think, um, usually till about noon or one o'clock. So we're talking about three or four, three or four hours. And so it also pro- provides kids with a space to still be able to socialize and engage with your teachers in person. And um, and one thing about summer school is very important is being able to have, um, whenever possible, your teachers or teachers who are familiar with you. Because when you're dealing with children and young adults, um, just being in a space where you're familiar with someone there who can motivate you and push you. Because the other thing too, let's be honest here, um, I'll be honest, as a kid, I never went to summer school. I feared summer school because summers were supposed to be my time, my time away from from teachers and school, at least for a little while before I had to go back. So um, for a lot of kids who have to go to summer school, it's not a pleasant thing. But the fact that you have um, potentially your teachers to a certain extent, but definitely your your administrators, your deans, your um, different faculty um, and staff members who are around, who know you, who can help push you and motivate you towards completing the, the coursework. But what does summer school look like during pandemic? It's very different. Um, for a lot of um, school systems around the country, uh, we had to definitely maintain um, the space of remote learning for summer school. And um, and right now, like I said earlier, a lot of schools are struggling with um, participation and interactions from students. You would think it's very simple. You, you know, the kids don't jump in a car or a bus to drive across town or 
or um or whatever or walk whatever it is to get to the building you know all you have to do is just get to the laptop and just like i'm doing right now hit enter and go and log on to their um, platform and do the work that way and have some level of interaction with instructors online um i believe that that in time and sooner than later that this is going to be a standard platform for um for doing summer school and 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 being able to engage as many students as possible with uh, remediation and helping them move forward with their coursework. But this is the first time this is being done on a mass level. And the numbers don't look very good. Um, in my school, um, we call every day, um, call families, we call students, we reach out, trying to make sure students who are, who are not participating or have low, low participation or attendance are, are um, logging in and we also try to find out like what's going on what's the hindrance and a lot of the responses we get are um, are very generic um, um, people are not students and families are not going deep into the reason behind the low um, interaction um, we have yeah, I mean a bit something you have kids who traditionally would have who are, traditionally would have said to their parents oh I don't have summer school who are saying the exact same thing with this model. Like, hey, I don't have any work, or I already did my work, or I don't have summer school, or I didn't know I had summer school. But um, these are normal things. But what's um, what's happening right now that, that um, and I'm going to ask educators out there, please, you know, respond to, respond to this question. Um, if, you're, if you've been able to get this from your, get, if you've been able to get this from your students, what has been the biggest hindrance? No, why, why are students not engaging? If they're engaging, it's on a very low level. Um, I think I have an answer, but this answer is probably only really unique to my environment. And um, but I hope that um, this sparks a conversation on how we can kind of like resolve this because. A lot of school systems were going to be going into the fall, and a lot of school systems are going to be maintaining this online space. And um, and student engagement might, might, not even might, will probably continue to reduce. And it's not because our students don't want to do work. It's not that, it's not that they don't want to learn. Um, but I'm going to tell you why I think. So... The month of March started this whole movement into remote learning. Abruptly, kids were torn away from what they are familiar with. No matter how much a kid complains about, oh, I don't want to go to school, I don't like school, I don't like my teachers, blah, 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 blah. It's still a place of a familiar. It's still a familiar space. It's still a space when you walk in, at least there's your classmates, at least a teacher or an adult or someone, you know, or it might just be the act of leaving your house and jumping on a train or jumping on the bus to get to school. There's some level, some sense of this is what's normal. And that was snatched away in March, just gone. And what became the forced normal is, you know, get, wake up in the morning, roll out of bed. In some cases, not even roll out of bed, just reach out and grab your laptop your, or your digital device and log on. And when you log on, you are 
either in spaces where you're logging on and just looking at text and instructions and just how you're engaging, or you, there's some some kind of software that's tracking your your participation and and, and um, monitoring your progress, or um, or you're logging on to a Google class or or some platform where your teacher is talking to you. It might be a voice behind an icon, or or um, or it might be you, you get to see them and you get to see your classmates. But um, in the beginning, it might have been an interesting space for kids because all of a sudden I don't have to go to school. But what was that like for them after the first week, second week, third week of being sequestered at home? But we're just talking about school about the fear that came with the coronavirus? What about the fact that every sneeze and every cough all of a sudden was a threat? For my community, where a lot of um, my parents are low income, a lot of my families are low income, and, um, and they find themselves being essential workers. What's, what says that, 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 that moniker, essential worker? Um, you would think these are people who are rewarded for keeping society going. But no, these are people who are doing the invisible work, things that we don't even think about that keep society going. And as a result, these are very low paying spaces. You know, and, um, and as a result, these people spend a lot of time interacting with the general public. So you have families and parents who are working at in grocery stores working in, in in spaces where they're at high risk, you know, you know, nursing assistants and custodial staff at hospitals and places like that, who are constantly in spaces where the the possibility of being hiding, of being infected is high, and they come home to their families. You know, then you have these kids who are constantly afraid for their for their parents, for their siblings. Um, Grandma's sick. Grandma's passed away. Granddad has has is being intubated. All these things that makes it very hard to focus on the work at hand. So that went on for um, what three or four months, and um, June came, and and the, the the school year ended with with or without fanfare. And um, a lot of kids didn't perform very well during the springtime, and summer school is now an option for them. And you have kids who who traditionally just you know didn't pass classes here and there, and didn't need summer school. And now they're in summer school, and it's not like there was a reset button towards your emotions and what you've gone through, and the stress and the fatigue and everything else. Now you're being told, okay. Every day you got to do this. You got to log on. You got to pay attention. You have to engage. But over the course past four months, no one has engaged you in your mental health. No one's engaged you on, on just your state of being. And we're not even th- talking about or thinking about the econo- economics of what's been happening, transpiring in a, lot of, a lot of our communities. A lot of people are out of work. A lot of people who are living in food deserts are now literally, you know, li- living in food vacuums. You know, um, I remember um, a couple couple of weeks ago, 
I had to go down to the school building, grab some stuff. And on my, on my way driving um, out of Brooklyn, I drove by the um, Barclays Center. And there was a line wrapped around the Barclays Center. I mean, I mean, you have to imagine this is an athletic uh, 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 f- um, facility where the Brooklyn Nets play. A beautiful building, huge building. The cover is like two city blocks. And um, wrapped around the building was a long line of people waiting for food. It was a food line. And I wanted I asked myself, how many of those people are are um, are linked to my families or or are just like my families? They're struggling. Um these are spaces that we need to recognize and address because um, schools are asking like, hey, how, what's going on with our kids? How come they're not logging on? And we're making phone calls and we're reaching out and we're telling kids, hey, you need to graduate, you need to do this. But we're not really addressing their base primal needs, safety, security, food, shelter, because right now, a lot of our kids are not in a good place. The majority of our families are not in a good place. And I'm speaking, I mean, and I'm speaking in particular to the, to the group of people that, I, that I'm familiar with, the communities that I'm familiar with, you know, the low-income low communities. And this is regardless of race. You know, if, if money was, if you're barely making ends meet now, those those ends are so far apart. And um, that's something that we need to really engage and address, you know, because it's only going to get worse if we are not able to find a way to really, truly support our families. And um, I don't know if schools have the answer, but this is a great societal um, issue. Our kids are going to continue to struggle with connecting with the, with the work that... Um, that we want them to do if they don't feel safe. And they may not even know they don't feel safe. They may not even know that, that this is why they're struggling. But um, it's not necessarily for them to know. We have to recognize that and come up with a solution. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to put out there this morning, that um. We need to do better as far as reaching out to our families and figuring out what's going on and trying to find ways to really support them. Um, schools, we have the best intention. We know education is, is, is the key. You know, it's literally the key to unlock the door to so much of the future. But um, you have to have, it's just like we know that a, a child has to have good rest, a clear mind, a, a full stomach, you know, and minimal worries to go into a classroom and just smile and engage in learning. But when those things don't exist, and then we're asking them to engage in school in a, in a way that they've never done before, never done before, with very minimal human interaction, then we have to expect that the results are going to not be what we've, we've, what we've been used to or what we hope for. All right, guys, this is Uchain Joku, Sneaker Principal. Have an amazing day, and we'll talk soon. Peace.